0: I am so happy and pleased to have a newfound friendship um, in Mark and Leslie Dobler and their family is here today and I am happy to extend the hand to have him come up here and preach to us today. Let's give him a big hand. Good morning, Orchardville Church. Man, I tell you what, it has been an awesome morning already. Amen. Amen? I mean, you guys look great. You sound great. Was that awesome worship or what? Uh, <laughs> Nate? Man, where are you, Nate? Where oh, there you are. Dude, that was awesome. That was a lead guitar lick. Man, I love that. Uh, Carlin, Justine, worship team, I got to tell you, that was some fantastic time of leading us to the cross of Christ and uh, worshiping at his throne and and just celebrating the goodness of God and I, I just appreciate so much those of you who are a part of this using your gifts, your talents, your skills uh, to lead this church in worship every week so thank you so very, very much. We are thrilled uh, to be here this morning we have been we've had this date on the calendar now for about two and a half weeks and uh, and I got to tell you that the last, probably about the last four or five days, it it has been excruciatingly slow. <laughs> Man, it has been like watching grass grow. Anybody ever tried to do that? Man, that's just not fun. And the last several days have just been horrible waiting to get here for this weekend because we were chomping at the bits to come be here with you this weekend. Uh, we had a great time yesterday. We met quite a few of you, and uh, it was just such a, a welcoming environment, and we were so so very thankful for that. Uh, I want to especially thank uh, the transition team. We had, a, uh, we had a, a chance to meet with them first. They were our first introduction to Orchardville Church. And uh, I got to tell you, every, all of the interactions that we've had with them so far, they've been incredibly gracious, they've been kind, uh, they've been helpful, they've been understanding. We could not have asked for a better process to this point. Um, and uh, in fact, uh, I will tell you that one of the, the things that impressed me so much uh, was what happened on the night uh, of our interview with the with the transition team, we came down early, a little early, to get down for the interview, and we spent uh, a couple of hours with uh, with Bo, and uh, Bo wanted to treat us right. I mean, he wanted to break us in, and uh, he said, "Hey, uh, the church is it's it's a thirty minute drive from Salem, and uh, we're going to meet at the church. So let's go eat near the church because there's this great little restaurant called the Skillet." And uh, we're gonna we're gonna go down there. We're gonna eat because then we can just sort of walk in uh, into the church. It's right there. It's like, hey, that sounds great, Bo. And you know, we had left Peoria early that day, so we were hungry. We were ready to eat. And it and he man, he made it sound like it was really going to be good. So so we drive. And you know, one of the great pictures of of a good restaurant is when you drive up and there's a lot of cars in the parking lot, right? If you see a lot of cars in the parking lot, you know this is going to be good. So so we drive up to the Skillet, and there is not a single car in the parking lot <laughs> and i'm and i'm like okay bo really made this sound like it's going to be good and church some of you are probably familiar with the skillet this was on a monday <laughs> and it was closed and I'm like, I don't necessarily like to try to read signs, but I'm like, Lord, this might not be a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, but Bo had pity on us and uh, he, he called um, uh, um, Edie. He called Edie and said, Edie, can you bring some sub sandwiches? And so I got to tell you, we are probably... The first people that have ever gone through a pastoral interview while eating sub sandwiches in front of the interview committee. <laughs> and bless her heart, Edie, Edie drove 30 minutes from Mount Vernon smelling that bread. And if you think driving 30 minutes smelling that bread is bad, wait till you realize that that was a day that Edie was fasting. Fasting. I mean, that is sacrifice right there, and, and they, they were just so, so kind and so gracious to us, and we, we could not have been more thankful. I came down uh, the next week. I met with the staff and uh, all of our interactions with the staff. I mean, they're just great people, and so, Orchardville Church, I, I want to tell you something that I, I'm sure you already know. I just want to affirm it to you from somebody on the outside looking in between your transition team and your staff you are being served incredibly well. So our heartfelt thanks to the transition team and the staff, this has just been a joy, uh, everything that has led up uh, to this point. Um, And so... I want to I introduce you in a moment to my wife. Uh, this September will be 29 years that she has been my best friend, my cheerleader, my encourager, uh, my sounding board, uh, my, my handyman. Uh, there's stories I'll tell you about that as we get to know each other. I don't want to lay too much on the table right now. But uh, I I could not be who I am. I could not be where I am uh, without my wife, Leslie. Leslie, would you stand and and uh see the transition team already said, "Yeah, you you brought your secret weapon." I'm like, "Yeah, I know." (laughs) Uh, And we're also humbled and uh, grateful this morning that uh, our kids. uh, We we have two boys. And uh, they're both married, and they they offered to drive all the way down from Peoria this morning uh, to be here with us on this very special day. So, uh, Zach, our oldest son, and his wife, Mary, would you stand? And Brandon, our youngest son, and his wife, Beth. We love our boys and, uh, and we love our daughters And uh, we're just really humbled that uh, they would take the time to drive all the way down here To be with us on this very, very special day And we've also got a couple of neighbors And when I say neighbors, I mean literally neighbors There are neighbors in Peoria and, uh, and they also wanted to come down and participate And be here with us on this very special day So Ron and Marcia, would you raise your hand? They're right back here They have been such encouragers to us and uh, such great friends, and uh, we could not be more thankful uh, that they have come to be a part of this day with us. So I want to I get into a message this morning that I believe is going to be timely, and hopefully it will be brief, because as I understand it, there's, there's a lot of really, really good food waiting for us downstairs downstairs. And and I I think, you know, the idea of of food is really biblical. I mean, it is. Do you, I don't know if you're aware of how often, um, you can go ahead and put this up on the screen. I don't know if you know how often food is mentioned in the Bible, but it's mentioned a lot. There is a lot of talk about food in the Bible. In fact, one of my favorite scenes in all of the scripture is found in the gospel of John 21 after the resurrection of Jesus and, and he's gone to look for some of his disciples and he finds Peter and some of the other guys out fishing. So Jesus stays on the shore and, and it's, it's early, early, early in the morning and they couldn't quite make it out but when they, when they get to shore, they realize it's Jesus and, and who can could, who could tell me what Jesus was doing? He was pan frying some fish, baby. I mean, who wants to hang out with Jesus for a fish fry? Come on. Now, I have heard, I have not, I've not experienced this on a personal level yet, but I've heard that George cooks a mean fish fry. And I am excited about trying the George fish fry. But I gotta tell you, brother, If it's a choice between the George fish and the Jesus fish, I'm going with the Jesus fish, man. No offense. (laughs) I want to get some of that. And all throughout the Bible, you read about these great feasts, these great celebrations. I think God loves, loves to prepare banquets for his people because I believe that God loves sharing good things with his people. And I think that's one of the reasons why churches love potlucks so much. Because honestly, it's like a little slice of heaven. It's like a, just a little, a little picture of what eternity is going to be like when we get to enjoy this time around this feast and this banquet that God is making for us. I remember when I was a kid growing up in a, in a little town in South Carolina. And when I say little, it was, I mean honestly, it was we had it big time over Orchardville because we actually had one red light. So, I mean, we had a whole red light in the town that I grew up in. And I loved potluck Sundays because you always tried to hang out where the food was coming in. Any of you ever do that? Like you want to be close to where the food is being brought in and the smells. Oh, my word. It just killed you. Oh, that smells so good. And then, of course, unfortunately, you had to go to church because the meal came after church. And for me, the sermon on that day always felt about 30 minutes too long. It was like cruel and unusual punishment. Come on, preacher, just get to the amen. Let's go eat. And then when you get in there, it was so awesome because you'd see row after row, dish after dish after dish, and you knew it was all good, right? But in spite of the fact that you knew it was all good, There were a few crockpots. There were a few casserole dishes. There were some certain cake tins and pie plates that you were looking for. Why? Because you knew who made those. (laughs) And and you knew, I want to be the first one in line to get to those because I know it's all good, but those are awesome. And then a couple of things would almost always happen uh, on on, uh, uh, Potluck Sunday. Right. So if if there was some some new person there that didn't have the inside information that you had or if one of your friends who knew you had wound up trying some dish you hadn't tried yet and realized, dude, that is killer. That information always got shared. Right. It's like, hey, do you see that blue crock pot down on the end of the line? You got to get some of that. And you know why? Because they were saying that while it it might all be good, that's the one that you really got to get some of because, man, that's the best stuff. And I think this morning that this talk about food and and the fact that we're going to enjoy some food together as a church after the service today, I think that's a beautiful picture of what God wants to share with us this morning. Because King David said this in Psalm 38, 4, and I know you're familiar with this verse, but I'm going to put it on the screen for you. He said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Father, as we dive into your word this morning, Lord, would you awaken our senses? Would you help us to see you with fresh eyes? hear your word without impediment. God, that we would be able to truly taste and see the goodness of who you are this morning, God, in ways that maybe we have never quite understood before. God, would you make it real to us this morning? Would you wake us up and make us alive in the spirit of Christ so that we can receive everything that you've got for us, Lord, that not a drop hits the ground? that we get it all in Jesus name we pray amen. amen so I believe that King David is telling us today from Psalm 38:4 that hey the world may offer a smorgasbord of dishes to choose from some good some not so good And by the way, remember that David as king, he had access to anything and everything that he wanted. And what he learned through his experience and through the revelation of the Spirit of God is that while there might be lots of other things that you can pick from and choose from that are good, they ain't nothing as good as what God's got for you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He's saying that no matter what else is out there, the thing that you have got to get some of, the thing that Orchardville Church has got to get some of, are the dishes that God has prepared for us today. Amen? And I want to share with you just a few of the dishes of God's goodness that I want to challenge you this morning to get some of to find out how good God really is. The first one I want to point you to is get some of God's love. Now, I know some people are like, oh, man, Uh, I've come to church. He's talking about love. Please. I've heard this a thousand times. I'm at church. I'm talking about God's love. But don't check out. Listen, don't tune out. I don't care how many times you think you've heard about God's love. Here's what you need to understand about God's love. God's love is the motivation for all of the other dishes. Do you understand that? God's love is what gives reason for him to provide all the other good things that he provides for us. Because he loves us more than you or I will ever fully comprehend this side of heaven. And to be honest, I'm not sure we'll even understand it fully once we get to heaven. It's that big. And in fact, the psalmist said in uh, Psalm 86, 15, you'll put this on the screen for you. He says, but you, O Lord, you're a God merciful and gracious. You are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Slow to anger and abounding in love. Doesn't that sound just like Carlin in Slow Traffic? In a, in a Chick-fil-A. <laughs> hey, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound like all of you? In slow traffic? That you're slow to anger and abounding in love? You know, hey, listen, I'm only gonna be 15 minutes late to work. Take all the time you want. It's all good. I don't care. I'm, I might as well just confess to you this morning that if you, if, you, if you bring me on as your pastor, you need to know that you've got a pastor that in slow traffic is not always slow to anger and abounding in love. It's just not my thing. Amen. <laughs> I've always been a little scared to put a fish on the back of my car because, man, I don't want to give the Lord a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> he's working on me, folks. I'm a work in progress. But for God, the psalmist says that God is slow to anger, and he's abounding in love. What does that mean? It means that there is a never-ending supply of the love God has got for you this morning. And so when you come to the dish of God's love and you reach in that ladle and you start to pour it out on your dish and it starts to cover the dish, you just keep adding more and more till it pours off the sides and then starts to get all over the table and you know how much love of God is left? All oh, you can take because it's an unending, abounding supply of God's love. Now, there are a lot of you this morning, you think, man, you have messed up so many times in your life that God can't possibly love you like that anymore. I want to tell you, get that out of your mind because God's love, he is slow to anger and he's abounding in love wherever you are this morning, whatever you've got going on in your life, whatever you have done, God says, my love is abounding. Get you some of that this morning. The Apostle John, and some of you were learning about John this morning in one of the adult Sunday school classes. So cool. The Apostle John in 1 John 4, 7, and 9, he said this. He said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He he who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is what? God is love. You think, how in the world can God never run out of love? Because God is love. It's the essence of who he is. God is love. And let me tell you something. Whatever experience you've had in your life, whether it's a snapshot moment, whether it's a minute, a day, a week, a month, a year, or half a lifetime, whatever you have experienced that has that, sense of man life is good because you sense real genuine love you know where that came from that came from the goodness of God because all love has its foundation in God because God is love when you have that moment God has given you a little glimpse about who he is and you know when that moment feels so good in your spirit that should just remind you, man, I want to run to God because God is not only that, he's so much more than that. And so John continues. In verse 9, he says, this, in this love of God, it was manifested, it was demonstrated toward us that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. This is the same John that wrote one of the most famous verses in all of the world, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the same John that wrote those words and he's saying that God loves so much and it's so deep that he held nothing, absolutely nothing back because he wants you to know that you're worth the very best that he's got and he will give you all of that and more because he's love. Some of you may be here this morning And you've heard about God's love, but you've never experienced it yourself. You've walked all around it. You've wandered all around it. You've kind of bounced in and out of church, but it still isn't real to you because you've never dipped into the pot to taste and see that the Lord is good. You've never opened up your heart and said, Lord, I need a Savior. And he's ready to save you. He's ready to give you life eternal because he loves you and he's already sent his son to die on the cross for you at the end of the service today. I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to give you a chance to say, yes, I finally want to take that step of faith. I can think of no better day because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. So we're going to give you that opportunity in a moment. And and you know and for those of you who are believers and you've been following the Lord but it's it's just become a little dead because of where you are and you feel like maybe you've walked so far in the wrong direction that you've sort of lost any opportunity to experience God's love he say come back today just come on back because my supply of love for you is abounding and it's limitless get some of god's love this morning the other dish that i'm going to point you to this morning is to get some of god's vision get some of his vision you know man i can see perfectly fine i don't need any help with my seeing that's not what we're talking about here we're talking about in a completely different kind of vision and uh, the writer of Proverbs writes this in Proverbs 29 and 9.18. He says, where there's no vision, the people perish. Now, he's not talking about the lack of ability to see. He's talking about vision, which sees beyond where you are. How many of you ever felt like you're in a rut? Raise your hand. I've heard before, and I'll share with you, maybe you've heard it it as well. A rut ain't nothing but a grave with both ends kicked out. There is nothing worse than being in a rut. You're just going through the motions. Church, that is not life. That is not the life that God called us to. And when there's no vision about seeing beyond where we are, then life becomes a drudgery. It becomes a very dry, difficult place to wander through because there's no vision for what can be. And that means that there's no hope because vision is about hope. It's a reason to get out of bed in the morning. It's a reason to take on the world when the world is hard. It's a reason to get up on a Sunday morning and drive 30 minutes to get to church because it's worth doing because there's a reason beyond where I am right now. And you might want to write this down where there's no hope, there's no heart. See, the reason life becomes drudgery when there's no vision is because there's no hope and the heart kind of stops beating. There's no passion about life anymore. And I want you to know this morning, church, that the vision that God has for you not only individually but as a church is good the vision that god has for you is good check out this this passage of scripture in the in the old testament in joel chapter 2 verses 23 through 27 he says rejoice you people of jerusalem now a lot of times we read the scripture right we just read the scripture and we kind of take in the words and we just kind of keep moving But once in a while, you just got to hit the pause button and you got to make it personal. And I want to do that for you right now because I think this is a word of God to you and to us this morning. Rejoice, you people of Orchardville Church. Rejoice in the Lord, your God, for the rain he sends demonstrates his faithfulness. Once more, the autumn rains will come as will the rains of spring, the rain that we desperately need to break up dry ground, to make, give us hope, to give us a reason for getting out of bed. He's going to send the rain, church. I mean, that just excites me. And he says, the threshing floors will again be piled high with grain. Now, when do you have the threshing floors piled high? After what? After the harvest. God is going to bring a harvest, church. And he says, the harvest fields are ripe unto harvest, Go get it. He's sending the rain. He's going to send the workers. He's got a vision worth getting out of bed for. He's going to make it happen. And the presses will overflow with new wine and olive oil. Verse 25, the Lord says, I will give you back what was lost. Man, how good is God? I'll give you back what was lost. I want you to hear this. In the miraculous world of God, loss can be painful, but it doesn't have to be permanent. That's the miraculous God that we serve. Yeah, we can have loss. Yeah, it can hurt, but it doesn't have to last forever. Why? Because God said, I'm going to give you back what you lost. Because he's a good God, he's abounding in love. He says in in verse 26, once again, you will have all the food that you want and you will praise the Lord your God who does these miracles for you. Never again will my people be disgraced. And then you will know that I am among my people, Israel. And let me personalize that one more time for you this morning. You will know that I am among my people, Orchardville Church. Amen? There ain't a church in the world that is a better place to be than a, a church where God's people are hanging out with the God that they claim they serve. When he's there in the midst, that is a place that everybody wants to be. And he said in Joel, hey, I'm going to be with my people. I am the Lord your God. There is no other and never again will my people be disgraced. That's the Lord's vision for his people and for this church. Amen. That's one of the reasons why. Yeah. I guess one of the reasons why we love Jeremiah 29 and 11 so much because we don't necessarily understand that this is about vision, but it is. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you what? Hope Hope and a future. See, God ain't done. God ain't done. He's just getting started good. And what's behind us is never as important as what's ahead of us. We serve a good God. Get some more of God's purpose. We need to get his love. We need to get his vision. I want to encourage you this morning to get some of God's purpose. Now, I hear, there's, a, there's a question that I hear a lot of times from people all over the place. Like, why am I here? You Maybe you've heard it. Maybe you've even felt at a time or two, why am I here? Or maybe you think, well, wow, that's a cool vision. You know, I love that God has got a vision, but what about right now, right here, right today? What do I do now? Teens, where are my teens at? Right here. Listen up. You have got to be living in one of the hardest times in history for people in your age group. You are dealing with hundreds if not thousands of conflicting messages about what ought to matter to you, who you ought to be, where you ought to go, what you ought to spend your time doing, what you ought to care about, what you ought to ignore. And it's, it's, it's a mess. My heart is for you because I can't think of a time in all of human history that could possibly be as confusing and as difficult as what you're dealing with right now. I mean that. And so I want you to really wrap your arms around this idea of God's purpose because it is incredibly hard to process all of those thoughts that are coming at you 100 miles an hour constantly throughout the day. It's confusing, it's difficult, it's damaging, and honestly, it can even be destructive. But if you understand God's purpose, then you can get through that. And not only can you get through it, you can thrive in the middle of it. Yeah. And here's, here's, here's what the Bible says about God's purpose in, in uh, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He says, He has shown you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God? You want, know teenager? This is not complicated. See, the messages that you're getting from the, from the world, it is incredibly overwhelming. It is incredibly difficult. It is incredibly staggering to try to figure out what do I do with all this? But the message of God to you this morning in terms of purpose is this very simple. He just wants you to do right things and when a, whatever's right in front of you, to love mercy and to just walk humbly with the Lord. It's not hard. It's not complicated. What the world is showing you, it's incredibly complicated and it is burdensome and it is heavy and it is confusing and it is stressful. But that is not God's purpose for you. It's not God's purpose for you adults because a lot of adults get caught up in this. You get out of of high school and college and you start making a few bucks. And you start chasing what the world says is success. And the next thing you know, you got money that you don't know what to do with. But your soul is stressed to the max and your joy is gone. And God says, man, my life is simple. My plan and purpose for your life is simple. It's not complicated. It's not burdensome. Do justly, love mercy and walk humbly with your God it's a simple life but here's here's the beauty of that simple life that God calls us to live according to his purpose Isaiah 58 verse 10 through 11 he says if you extend your soul to the hungry and you satisfy the afflicted soul if you do those things right if you do justly love mercy, if you do those things by taking these kind of, of actions in your life, then here's what'll happen. Your light will shine in the darkness and your darkness shall be as noonday. You know what he's saying? The worst, darkest day of your life will be like the middle of the day compared to everybody else. Why? Because God is satisfying everything that the world is saying that doesn't work in fact he promises it in the very next verse the lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought now i don't know if you understand the the ramifications of drought but when there's drought water is really hard to come by life is hard to maintain in the middle of drought not for god Because for the people that live according to the purposes that God has said, this is how I want you to live. When we live that way, he says, even in drought, I'm going to satisfy your soul. You're going to be at peace. You're going to have a a comfort that nobody else understands. Why? Because I'm going to take care of it. He says... Uh, I'm going to strengthen your bones and you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters don't fail. Just like that love that never has a bottom, when you're walking with the Lord, even when it's hard, God says, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Look at somebody beside and say, God's got it. Now look at him again and say it like you mean it. <laughs> Do you believe that this morning, church? God's got it. Amen. 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 Yeah. And he doesn't want his people to live in stress. Just walk humbly with you, God. And God said, I'll take care of the rest. I'll make it work the last, last dish I want to point you to this morning is get some of God's joy. Now, you know what? Here's what I realize. Is that so many people, when they think of God, joy is not the word that comes to mind. See, because in their mind, the God that they know, he's a mean God. He's a demanding God. God. He's a stern God. He is a no fun God. He's the God that's going to take away everything that might make life a little bit fun. That God, no, why would I want to give my life to that God? Well, let's just be honest. Why would any of us want to give our life to that God? But I'm here to tell you this morning, if that's your picture of God, you got the wrong picture. Because God is a God of joy. Let's look at Nehemiah, chapter 8, verse 10. Nehemiah continued, he said, go and celebrate. Celebrate. It's not a word you hear a lot in church. Celebrate with a feast of rich foods. Amen. And sweet drinks, like lemonade and sweet tea, although I don't do sweet tea, I'm sorry. I'm Southern. I know, it's weird. My mama still wonders where she went wrong. we celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks and share gifts of food with people who have nothing prepared this is a sacred day now listen when you hear the word sacred here's here's what here's how most people interpret this is what you deal with the word sacred <laughs> oh lord i am such a terrible person i am such a terrible person I hope nobody looks at me. <laughs> I'm so bad. Because God's sacred. We got to come in all scared. That's how but we see sacred. Oh, man, don't touch that. But you know what Nehemiah says? It's a sacred day before the Lord. So, so, don't be dejected and sad. Stop it. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. That's our God. Somebody just give me a Ric Flair woo. There you go. Like, man, you're not supposed to do that in church. Nehemiah said you are. Uh He said you are. It's a sacred day. So... So, the joy, don't be dejected and sad, why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you go, well, that's the Old Testament. Jesus came and changed everything. Really? Really? Well, let's look at the New Testament, shall we? John 15, 11. Jesus is the one talking. He says, these things I have spoken to you, that whose Joy. My, who's Jesus talking about? Himself? Jesus said, my joy. My joy. Jesus says, my joy may remain in you that your joy may be full. Yes! I don't know about you, but I gotta get some of that. Wow! The church of God should be one of the most joyful places that anybody can ever walk into and because when they walk through those doors and they sense the joy of God they say man I got to get some of that you know why because there ain't no joy in the world They'll get a little piece of it, but it won't last. But if you get some of God's joy, that never runs out. So let's make Orchardville a place that is full of joy. Now, church, as I start to wind this down this morning, you get to sample all, all of those things. You get to sample God's God's love. You get to sample some of God's vision. You get to enjoy His purpose. You get to enjoy His His, uh, uh, joy. And we're not even talking about the side dishes. There's a whole bunch of other dishes we're not going to get to this morning. Like His love, His promises, His patience with us. Somebody just say amen about that one. Some of us need a little more patience than others. But I'm glad that God has always had patience for me. He's got patience for you. There's so many dishes on the table of God's goodness. And he's inviting you to just dive in. And, and not church, not just get some, but to get a bunch. <laughs> just get a bunch, a big old heap of plateful till it's fallen off the edges and you can't even eat it all because God said there's more where that came from. Get some of what God's got for you this morning and enjoy it. Just savor it. Let it wash over you. And, you know, as I was was thinking about this whole potluck thing and I'm like, okay, you know, there's there's the enjoying of the food thing. But there's a couple of other quick things that happen in regard to potlucks. And and the first is the inviting, right? Right. Because when you know a dish is good, it's a communal meal, right? It's not just for one or two people. It's for everybody. So you invite, come on, come on, man, you got to have some of this. How many of you ever invited somebody to church because you were having a potluck and they didn't want to come to church? But, man, I'll come for food. <laughs> right? Yeah. Man, when there's a potluck, man, you got to invite people. You got to invite people to the good stuff. And so there's inviting going on in churches. Listen to me. Listen to me. When we begin to experience the goodness of God's table, we got to get out there and invite people to come experience it with us. God's church was never meant to be us for no more. God's church is whosoever will may come. He said to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come. I want my house to be full. Yes. There's a lot of seats for a lot of people. And if you got to, we can, we can spread out and we can double up services because God says there's always room for more. Amen. Amen. So there's, there's inviting in a potluck. And then one other thing that came to my mind was the sharing. Because when a meal, when a dish is really good, you want to go, you want to find the person that made it and go, what's your recipe? Right? Have <laughs> You ever tasted something at one of these meals? You go, hey, I got to get that recipe. Come on, raise your hand. Yeah. Happens all the time. Yep. Tell me how you made that. And here's, here's what's so awesome about potlucks is when you, have, when you have a cook that really loves what they do and they love people, they love Sharing with somebody else, first of all, not not only what's in it, but how you make it. And I got to thinking about those three things. Enjoy the feast. Enjoy it. Invite somebody to 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 enjoy it with you. And then share how it happens. And as I looked at that, It occurred to me, and I didn't do this on purpose, but it just occurred to me, you know what? That's the heartbeat of this church. And here's what I mean by that. See the enjoying part? Is when your teachers and those children's workers and the teen ministry get to whip up a dish of the goodness of God and take the lid off of it and say, taste and see that the Lord is good. And the inviting part, hey, could you gotta get some of this? Come try this. This is this is the reaching part of your church. And then the sharing. This is the discipleship. This is where you say, hey, this is not only what's in it, this is how you make it. And so as we come to the end of this service this morning, I'm gonna invite our, our worship team to come back to the platform. And I want you to realize that when I got to the end of of this message and I started looking at at the enjoy and invite and share, I wasn't trying to make that fit your, your mission statement, but God was. And I want to speak to some of you this morning. It's one thing to hear what God has to say. But it's not about the hearing, it's about the doing. He said, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Because when we just hear, we're deceiving ourselves. It's not just about the gathering of information. It's what are you going to do with the information? Some of you this morning might be here and you need to start on dish one. The love of Jesus. So you've been introduced to the love of Jesus but it's just been an idea to you it's not real but I want to tell you this morning there is nothing more real than the love of God for you that's why he demonstrated it through his son Jesus Christ on the cross so I don't want there to be any doubt about it I don't want there to be any questions about is my love for you real yes it's real he died on the cross And this morning before you can enjoy anything else that god has to offer you you got to get some of god's love and salvation through jesus christ and if you're here this morning i don't care how many times you've come to church i don't care how many sermons you've listened to i don't care how much money you've put in the offering plate i don't care how many times you've raised your hand If you haven't personally decided, I'm gonna give my life to Christ and it's gonna be real and he's gonna be mine and I'm gonna be his, it needs to happen today. And in a moment, this altar is gonna be open and you're gonna have a chance to do that. Please don't miss that. Don't walk by this dish. If you're a believer and, man, you've just, just wherever you are, yeah, you're showing up for church. But man, there's stuff going on in your life and you just feel so far from God. Man, you just need a fresh helping of His love. Like, well, I don't know that God can love me anymore. Yes, He can. Because He's slow to anger and He is abounding in love. Come get some of His love this
1: morning.
0: Some of you need a get some of God's vision because your life has just become a routine. You are just getting up in the morning and you are barely making it through the day. You don't even know why you get out of bed, but you do because it's what you're supposed to do. But there's, I mean, there's nothing that is overriding in in your mind that says, man, I've got a reason to live. I got a reason to jump out of bed and serve a God who loves me this morning because you've missed God's vision. Maybe you feel like you've lost so much. But in the miraculous world of God, God says, I can give you back what you lost. Some of you just need to say, okay, I've got that, but I need to just dial into God's purpose. You know why? Because your life is running a hundred miles an hour with your hair on fire and you can't even see straight anymore. Because you've bought into the lie that the world says this is this is what success looks like. This is how you're supposed to live. And it's confusing and it's discouraging and it's overwhelming and it's destructive. But God says, man, just come back. Just get some of my purpose. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And some of you just need to pray today with the psalmist. Lord, restore the joy of my salvation. It's been a long, dry season for you. God says you come to me I'll bring back the joy let's pray Father as your spirit moves may you have your way in each and every heart this morning God may you remove all fear worry about what someone may say, what someone may think and Lord would you just let people come to the altar and get some of what you're offering this morning Lord be honored and glorified in the attitudes and the actions of every person right here right now in Jesus name and invite you to the altar, church. I don't know what dish you need to crack open and get into, but God says, come get it. Come get it. Don't wait. Come and pray. Come receive. Come be restored. some church come get it there's plenty to go around this morning don't miss god's invitation to come get exactly what you need he will meet you right where you are and i know it's a scary thing to step out of your seat and say i'm gonna walk up there and i'm gonna get some but let me tell you something once you take that first step god is with you the rest of the way you will not come alone you will not have to pray alone come be restored right here right now Thank you so much for all that you've done. God, we pray that you will protect and preserve every prayer that has been offered this morning, whether it was somebody at this altar, whether it was somebody who just couldn't get out of their seat but they lifted their heart in prayer to you this morning God would you just make it real Lord don't let the thief steal what has been offered to you this morning God may every heart that has responded be blessed with strength and courage and perseverance and the blessing of knowing that they are standing right before you right here right now